listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast. Trinity Church Chester is a new church seeking to reach the city with the good news of Jesus Christ. And at the heart of our ministry is our Sunday worship service, in which we hear a sermon preached from a particular part of the Bible. We're glad you're listening. We'd love to see you in person at the Welsh Presbyterian Church Building on St. John Street in the city centre. We meet there every Sunday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you can find more details on our website trinitychester.church Come and join us as we seek to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. On chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, and uh, then a couple of verses from the end of John's Gospel from chapter 20, verses 30 to 31. And so let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. That all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. This is God's word. We're starting uh, this afternoon a new sermon series in the Gospel of John. And uh, and I'm really excited about that. I'm excited for us to look at this book and to uh, look at uh, all that John has to teach us about Jesus. Now, when you think about the things that have completely altered your life, almost all of them will have been connected to a person. Uh, Think about it. There are things that have happened to you and that have changed the way that you live your life and the way that you view the world. And these life-altering events are almost always linked to a particular person and their influence. Uh, So perhaps there was a teacher at school 
who got you excited about a particular subject and got you thinking that you might study that subject more and pursue a career in that subject. So that teacher's enthusiasm changed your life and changed what you pursue in life. Uh, Perhaps you met someone who you began to see more and more regularly and who you grew to love. And so because of that person, you started making all kinds of decisions that would change your life, where you would live, whether you might start a family and so on. And of course, these stories that are so common in our lives, they don't always end happily, do they? Our lives are often changed not only for the better, but for the worse because of things that happen. Uh, We get hurt by others. We ourselves are able to inflict hurt on others too. Uh, Someone at school or at work mistreats us or bullies us and it makes our life miserable. Uh, Someone dear to us passes away and it inevitably alters our life and inevitably changes the way we view life. Every person has this power to drastically change the life of another person for good or bad. Like I say, this this morning we're beginning a new sermon series in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is an introduction to the Christian faith that was written nearly 2,000 years ago. Uh, And the way that John, the author of the Gospel of John, introduces the Christian faith is not by presenting us with a set of teachings that we must follow. It's not by presenting us with a set of rules that we must obey. But he introduces us to the Christian faith by presenting us with a person. A person who can and should completely change our lives. Uh, We see that in that final couple of verses that we read from chapter 20. Uh, Those verses come at the end of John's Gospel and they tell us what John's intention is in writing his Gospel. So he tells us in verse 30 that Jesus did many other things that he doesn't include in his Gospel. Uh, But in verse 31 he tells us why he has included what he has included. He said, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So his gospel then is all about Jesus. Uh, Who he is, why we should believe in him, uh, how he should change our lives. And this is who John is referring to. When he uses this term in, chap- in chapter 1 that we read, the Word, okay? Uh, so, in the beginning was the Word, he says. Uh, it becomes clear that the Word is Jesus when we get down to verse 14. Uh, and we read, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, when, do we, uh, when do we think about that? We think about that a lot at Christmas. Who was it who became flesh and dwelt among us? It was Jesus. And so uh, when John is uh, referring to the word in chapter one, he's referring to Jesus. They're one and the same person. And that becomes clear as we go further on in John's gospel. Uh, But this morning, we're focusing on these first five verses in chapter one, where John wants us to see three things about Jesus. He wants us to see that Jesus is someone we must understand Secondly, someone who must become the centre of our lives. And thirdly, someone who must change the way we view the world. Okay? And the second and third points will be much shorter than the first, just so that you know where we're going. Uh, First of all, Jesus is someone who we must understand. When it comes to a person who we're interested in, a person who 
if we take their advice or if we strike up a relationship with them, we know that our life is going to be drastically altered. It's important, isn't it, that we take time to understand the person. If we're going to take advice, for example, on a business investment, then we want to know the credentials of the person who's advising us. Are they qualified enough? Are they experienced enough to give us such advice? Why are they advising us to invest in a particular investment? What's the evidence for it being a good idea? And so on and so on. Uh, When a person is looking for a relationship and uh, a friend tries to set them up with someone, the person doesn't at that point simply take their friend's word for it and start arranging a wedding, do they? That doesn't happen. Uh, They want to understand the person who they're being set up with. They want to get to know them. They want to understand whether they might, might make a good couple. And here at the beginning of his gospel... John doesn't simply command us that we must believe in Jesus without giving us any reason uh, into why we should believe in Jesus. So he wants us, first of all, to understand who Jesus is. And that's especially the case in these first 18 verses of John 1. This is what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And the first thing John writes in verse 1 is, In the beginning was the Word. Now, Why does John refer to Jesus as the Word? Three times in verse 1 he refers to Jesus as the Word. Why does he use that term and not another term? Well, lots of people have tried to answer that question uh, throughout the centuries and they've come up with lots of different ideas as to why John would refer to Jesus as the Word. The Greek word you might know that we translate in English as Word uh, is the word logos. And it was a term that was used a lot in Jewish literature, in ancient Jewish literature, and uh, in ancient Greek philosophy. So people have wondered uh, whether John is connecting the Logos in John 1 with the Logos in Jewish literature or Greek philosophy. And there might be something to that. John is a skilled writer. One of his many skills is that he uses a word often with more than one meaning to it. And so maybe there's something to that. But it's more likely that John wants to make a connection here between Jesus as the Word in John 1 and the Word of God in the Old Testament. Okay? Throughout the Old Testament, the Word of God has incredible significance. Earlier in the service, we read from Genesis 1, verses 1 to 5, a passage that John is clearly alluding to here. And in Genesis 1, we see something of the significance of the Word of God. In the beginning, the writer of Genesis starts, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then what happens? God said, God spoke. God said, let there be light and there was light. What was it that brought something out of nothing? What was it that brought light into existence? It was the word of God. God spoke. And that's the pattern we see all the way through Genesis 1. God spoke. And each part of the world as we see it came into existence as a result of his word. And it's not only at creation that we see the significance of God's word in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament we also see that God reveals himself. And he reveals his will uh, through his word. Okay? Uh, When God first made himself known to Moses in Exodus 3, he did so by speaking to him. 
So we read in Exodus 3, verse 4, God called to Moses out of the burning bush, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God reveals himself. He makes himself known by speaking. And that's why often we read in the Old Testament that the word of the Lord came to the prophets, because it was through the prophets that God revealed himself and his will to his people. Now, we know this to be true on a human level to an extent, don't we? Uh, If we're sat in a discussion and uh, we're not saying anything, somebody in the group might say to us, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the matter. Uh, Because as long as we sit there not saying anything, we don't give anyone an accurate indication as to what we're thinking. Uh, They might try and read our body language and our expressions, but sometimes body language and expressions can be misinterpreted. So if others are going to know what we think, if others are going to know uh, who we are, if we're going to reveal ourselves to other people, then we have to speak. And when we speak, our words reveal something of who we are, don't they? Our accent reveals where we might be from. The things we speak about reveal things about us because we speak about things we're interested in, things we love. Our words, then, are a way in which we communicate ourselves to others and allow others insight into who we are. And so when John uses this term, the word, to refer to Jesus, he is highlighting that Jesus is the one who reveals God to us. Jesus makes God known. Uh, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament begins with this same emphasis. In Hebrews 1, verse 1, it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And so the New Testament writers then are eager to press upon us that God reveals himself to us through Jesus. Now, why is that so important for them? It's important because if Jesus is the one who reveals God to us, it means that we cannot know God apart from Jesus. Okay? That's significant for us today because a lot of people in our culture would tell us that they're spiritual people, that they believe in a higher power, something transcendent, A God who can intervene in our lives. Well, right at the beginning of John's Gospel, we find out that this transcendent God has made himself known. He hasn't hidden himself away, but he has made himself known through Jesus. And so wouldn't it be inconsistent of us to say that we believe that there is a higher power, a transcendent God but to ignore these claims relating to how God has chosen to make himself known. If we're truly spiritual people, we'll take Jesus seriously. And not only would a lot of people in our culture today say that they're spiritual people, but a lot of people are searching for something and at a certain point in time might begin to wonder whether that something that they're searching for can be found in God. Uh, In fact, every one of us When we start to take an interest in the Christian faith, we're all looking for God to meet a certain need that we know that we have. We might feel dissatisfied with life. We might start considering the claims of Christianity or whether Christianity or religion in general, because we wonder 
whether we might find satisfaction there. We might feel overwhelmed in life. We might wonder whether we might find the mental strength and stability that we need in faith and in religion. We might feel confused in life and we might wonder whether we could find the clarity and the purpose we need in Christianity. But the message of John 1 to each of us in those scenarios is, you're on the right track. Come and seek, but don't merely seek the secret to being satisfied, because if you do, you won't find it. And don't merely seek the secret to mental stability in an overwhelming world, because if that's all you seek, you won't find it. And don't merely come and seek true knowledge so that you might no longer be confused in a confusing world, because if that's all that you seek, you won't find it. Now, John's message to us is to come and seek the one who reveals God to us. Come and seek the word, the one through whom God has spoken. And if you come and seek him, you'll find that satisfaction you crave. Jesus says in John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And if you come and seek him, you'll find the stability that you need in an overwhelming world. Jesus says in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And if you come and seek him you'll find the clarity and the meaning in life that you desire. Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's all found in him. God has not designed the world in such a way that we can find satisfaction and strength and meaning in some kind of abstract spirituality or religion, but he has designed it so that all these things are found in the person of Jesus Christ. The word of God. So John is urging us in the gospel to believe in him. and So that by believing in him we might have life in his name. But John gives us more reasons in these opening verses to persuade us that we should believe in Jesus. He gives us more explanation as to who Jesus is. In fact, he wants us to see that Jesus is himself God. He wants us to see that this one who reveals God to us in this supreme way does so because he is himself God. Uh, John makes this clear in at least three ways. First of all, he makes it clear that Jesus is not a creature, but he is the creator. Uh, You may have picked up on some similarities between the two Bible readings we've had today. Uh, So the opening words of the Bible, the opening words in Genesis 1 verse 1. In other words, in the beginning, God created. And the opening words of John's gospel, in John 1 verse 1, are the words, in the beginning, the word. And John wants us to make a connection between the start of his gospel and the start of the book of Genesis. And he wants us to see that Jesus was there in the beginning. He wants us to see that if he existed... Before anything else existed, then he must be outside of creation. That is to say that he himself is not a creature. He was not created. There was a point in history 
when everything in the universe came into being. It has not existed forever. There was a point in history when you and I came into being. We have not existed forever. But Jesus, John is emphasising, has simply existed always. And if Jesus has existed always, then he is not a creature. And so there is only one other possibility. He is the creator. He is God. Uh, John makes this clear, not just by referring to Genesis 1, but he spells it out for us in these first few verses. He said the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. The word was with God. The word was God. There he was in the beginning with him and through him. Everything without exception was created. And not only does John tell us that Jesus was in the beginning, he was outside of creation, that he is himself God and the one through whom everything was created. He also tells us in verse 4 that in him was life. Uh, John doesn't say something like he was alive or he was a living being. He says in this absolute sense, in him was life. Life itself is in Jesus, in the Word. What does that mean? It means that he is God. Everything outside of God owes its life to God. He created everything. Everything that has life has life because God has given it. But God owes his life to no one. No one or no thing gave life to God, but in him is life. And so when we read in verse 4 that in him was life, referring to Jesus, we're to understand that Jesus is himself God. And John could not be more emphatic about this point. And so if we're going to understand Jesus rightly, we need to understand that he is God. Do you know, it's at this crucial point that we have to reject the teaching of other religions and even other groups who claim to be Christian. Islam teaches that Jesus existed, but it rejects the idea that Jesus is God. So it is not true that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. We don't. Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons both claim to be Christian, but both reject the Bible's teaching that Jesus is God. In different ways, they try to reinterpret the Bible, and Jehovah's Witnesses try to suggest that the Greek language here in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, uh, which was the original language it was written in, uh, they try to argue that it shows that Jesus was not God, but merely a God, a sub-God. But that suggestion has been discredited. The argument has been shown to be false time and time again. In fact, the opposite is true that John is emphasising in these words that Jesus is indeed God. And so even though Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons claim to be Christian, the fact of the matter is that God has chosen to reveal himself through Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ reveals himself to be God, then you cannot be a Christian and at the same time, deny that Jesus is God. In fact, what Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons are essentially doing is denying that Jesus is the one through whom God reveals himself, and they're claiming instead that God reveals himself through their religion. And so it's incredibly important that we reject the teaching 
of Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons because it is not the teaching of the Bible. Instead, what we see in the Bible is that God reveals himself to be triune, three persons in one God. That's what we affirmed earlier in the service. Uh, The Heidelberg Catechism there said, uh, since there is but one God, why do you speak of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because that is how God has revealed himself in his word. These three distinct persons in one true eternal God. And we see this triunity of God hinted at in the beginning of John's Gospel. John presents Jesus to us as the one who is distinct from God. The word, he says, was with God. Okay? But at the same time, he is himself God. The word was God. We're not going to spend any more time really looking at this in this sermon because it'll come up again as we go through John's Gospel and we'll see that John moves away from these terms, the Word and God, to describe the persons of the Trinity and instead instead he uses the names Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Um, But if you can't wait for future sermons to look at that, if you've got more questions about that, then do come and speak to me or get in touch. There's nothing that I'd rather do than spend time discussing it. But at this point, we we simply need to note that Jesus is himself God. Jesus is God. That is what we need to understand. But why is it important to us? And so secondly, and much more briefly as promised, John wants us to see that because this is who Jesus is, he must become the centre of our lives. In verse 4, he writes, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Often in the Bible, uh, the word that is translated here as men refers not to human males, but to the human race as a whole, and that's its meaning here. John is saying that in him was life, and the life was the light of humankind. Uh, Well, what does that mean? It means two things. It means that the whole human race owes its existence to Jesus. But also, it means that we owe our ongoing existence to Jesus. It is because of Jesus that we exist in the first place. In him was life. But it is also because of Jesus that we continue to exist. The life was the light of men. John here is picking up on the image of light because human beings need light in order to live. Uh, Think about that is true when it comes to the food that we eat. Uh, Plants need light in order to live, in order to grow and to become food for us. And so in order for us to have food, we need light. We cannot live without it. Uh, But also think about how human beings throughout the ages have arranged their lives around the light, around daylight, around daytime and nighttime. We order our lives based on whether it will be light. We work, we arrange our work, and we do it in the day whilst it's light. We do things in the day because it is light. We order our lives around the light. Again, think of farming. How farmers are up at dawn, aren't they, to work whilst it's light because there are things that they need to do when it's light. In so many different ways, we order our lives, we orient our lives around the light. And John is presenting Jesus to us in this sense as the light. 
Jesus himself says later in John's Gospel, in chapter 8, says, I am the light of the world. And so because Jesus is God, because he is the light, he is the one who must become the centre of our lives. We owe our existence to him. We owe our continued existence to him. And so it is only right then that he becomes the centre of our lives and that we arrange our lives around him in a similar way that we arrange our lives around the light. Um, a little while ago I heard a speaker give an analogy of a child and uh, their relationship with their parents. Uh, and he said if you were to have a child and to raise that child and uh, work incredibly hard for that child and you paid for that child to go to university... And yet afterwards, uh, the child might occasionally send you a Christmas card or a birthday card, but really not give you the time of day. Uh, then you would instinctively say that that's wrong. And, and we know that that's wrong, don't we? We know that something is wrong there. Uh, it's wrong because of, in a sense, what that child owes you. You've done so much for that child. You've done everything for that child, in a sense. Uh, but if that's the case with a parent-child relationship, how much more is it the case when it comes to our relationship with Jesus? We owe him everything. The fact that we're alive, the fact that we continue to live is all down to him. And so it would not be right for him to, as it were, send him the occasional Christmas cards. It would not be right for him to just occupy a small part of our lives. He must become the very centre of our lives. Have you taken to heart the place that Jesus deserves in your life? Has he become the very centre of your life yet? Is your whole life, is your whole outlook on life, is how you relate to others, is how, you're, how you spend your money, is how you determine what is right and wrong, uh, is it all revolving around who Jesus is? Jesus is someone who we must understand, He's someone who must become the centre of our lives, and thirdly, he is someone who must change the way we view the world. I promise you the second and the third points will be brief, and I'm going to be very brief here uh, as we close. In John 5, uh, John uh, chapter 1, verse 5, John writes that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's some debate about what John is referring to here when he refers to darkness. But the most obvious way to take it is that it seems to be John is referring to the time when the word became flesh, as he goes on to say. When the Son of God entered this world and he was born as one of us, the light at that point began to shine vividly when Jesus entered this world. As Jesus walked this earth as he came to accomplish God's work. And the darkness, all that is hostile to Jesus, all that is against him, has not overcome the light. How could the darkness overcome the light? The light is none other than the transcendent God himself. He has no rival who could compete with him. And John is reminding us, even though this world can at times feel like an incredibly dark place, darkness will not win. Darkness has not overcome Jesus, and it will not overcome all who follow him. Through Jesus, if you believe in him, 
you are protected and kept safe throughout all of life's darkest moments. How do you know this is true? It's because when Jesus offered up his life on the cross, we're told that a darkness descended upon the whole region where he was crucified. The light of the world was crucified. He suffered a deeper darkness than the darkest night of the soul that you and I could ever experience. He suffered the just penalty for the sin of the human race. And he suffered it for you. He suffered it in your place. And so as a result, when you come to believe in him, you can know that because the darkness has not overcome the divine light of the world, who is Jesus, darkness cannot overcome you if you are his by faith. And so let's pray to close. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us. We thank you that you are not hidden from us that you have revealed yourself. We thank you that you have revealed yourself through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we reflect on him this afternoon, Lord, we recognise that there are many ways in which we have not made him the centre of our lives. We ask that you would forgive us. We ask that you would help us as we go from here to reorder our lives, to reorient our lives around him. We thank you for him. We thank you that he is the light of the world. We thank you that all who follow him shall not walk in darkness, but shall know the light. And so we pray, Lord, that as we go through dark times in our lives, we would take great comfort that the darkness has not overcome the light, has not overcome our Lord Jesus. And so we pray that you would strengthen us during those times. We pray in his name. Amen. listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to you. If you'd like to know more about the Christian faith and what it means to live as a Christian, please do get in touch. You can email hello at trinitychester.church or head to the connect page on our website trinitychester.church forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you soon.